You're listening to the Today's Wills and Probate podcast, one of the leading sources of information for the wills and probate sector. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todayswillsandprobate.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello, welcome along to the latest Today's Wills and Probate podcast. Today, I'm chatting about the differences between England and Scotland when it comes to probate and executory. In fact, it's so different that they've got a completely different name for it. I'm joined by Mike Davis. Mike is the founder and managing director of My Probate Partner. You're going to tell us a bit more about what My Probate Partner is about, Mike. Uh, And uh, we're going to chat, as I say, about some of the differences between England and Scotland and uh, some of the complications that that brings when it comes to the probate process. In the first instance though, Mike, I always ask the same question. It would be great if you could give us a very brief synopsis of who you are and what you do beyond what I've already said. Sure. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. So yeah, as you say, founded my probate partner uh, a few years ago. Um, We offer a middle ground solution between pure DIY probate and a full solicitor service. Um, my background, a uh, fairly eclectic mix of being a law accountant uh, for a number of years, auditing solicitors' files and setting fees for them and things. And I was a former restaurateur in a previous life. So a 10-year hospitality career, which allows me to bring in a, a fairly different flavor to the probate industry, I feel. But yeah, probably two things that don't often get put together, probate and hospitality, but you know. Here we are. That's that's absolutely fascinating because one of the things I want to talk to you about in particular is client service. And obviously hospitality is, well, famous for uh, client service, whether it's good or bad. But I I don't necessarily see that that client service is at the forefront of the legal process sometimes. So it'll be interesting to see what you've got uh, around that. I guess, though, to start with, I wanted to talk about some of the key differences between probate in England and Wales and executory in Scotland. We joke about the fact that it's a completely different word, but is it a completely different process? What are the differences and similarities? Well, I'm drawn to the idea of describing the Scottish process as completely bonkers, but I'll keep it polite and say that it's rather different. For a start, as you've mentioned, we like to keep people confused up here by using different words to the rest of the English speaking world. Executory, as you've said, refers, that refers more to like estate administration, I would say. So solicitors talk about doing executory work, whereas probate, you know, often, often tied to the actual, the court process called, it's called confirmation in Scotland. Grant, you get a grant of confirmation from the sheriff court. It's short for confirmation of executors, uh, which is logical. When looking through solicitor case files in my auditing days, though, when solicitors were talking about confirmation to anyone except the Scottish courts or other Scottish-based solicitors, they, without fail, almost every single one, they had to add, add the word probate in brackets after they talk about confirmation. So that's to clients, uh, beneficiaries, uh, and of course, financial organizations. So it's it's a little bit daft. A number of years ago, I actually rather unsuccessfully lobbied the civil law reform department of the Scottish government, among other things, to change the name of the process because of the complete, you know, unnecessary and preventable confusion that it causes. I was working at the time on on my ideas around my probate partner and what I wanted to do, and 
the thing I just always kept coming back to was the the sort of the confusion of the whole process in general. You know, something as, as we know, something that, that consumers generally have no no knowledge of whatsoever mm-hmm. until they encounter it. And then you throw into the mix, you know, things like different names in different parts of the country. I mean, obviously in England, you still use grant of representation, grant of probate, letters of administration. So even down there, you have a similar kind of issue. But uh, but yeah, then we throw even more things into the mix and adds confirmation and executory and all the rest of it. And so you end up with a you know, five, six, seven words and phrases really for the same thing and uh, it just causes confusion. It was good of them to hear me out, but they did seem uh, very proud of having a different name. But I often get asked why I name my company my probate partner. But it's it's this confusion that I'm working hard to reduce overall. We are a consumer-facing company. And one of the key things I try to do is to reduce the stress of the process for people along with cost. But, you know, part of that, uh, just a small piece of that puzzle of reducing the stress is is the language. We'll talk about my probate partner in, in a second, but I... Mm-hmm. In terms of the mix of your clients, are they predominantly Scotland? Is it English clients? And, and what's your experience of dealing particularly with English clients who are struggling with the Scottish process? I deal with people all over the world, actually, predominantly in Scotland, of course, uh, the vast majority, but and a, and a good number in England as well. And then, you know, get a smattering of Singapore and USA and, and other countries like this with expats who've gone over and, you know, then their parents have, have, have passed away in Scotland. Yes, the, the confusion is even greater because if they don't get very specific with their search terms, if they're looking around, then, you know, they're, they're going to pick up on local stuff. You know, in the UK, that's a problem no matter where you are, though, being Scottish, you know, you, there's the classic chip on the shoulder of of the, the media generally being dominated by England even up here and and that's definitely the case with probate type in type in information and you have to be you have to work quite hard to find scottish specific stuff and there's there's generally a mix as well because of the state administration process in general being being the same so you know the starting point and the ending point are the same and a lot of the stuff in between in terms of contacting organizations etc is all the same and then you just have the the difference in the the court process and and uh, some of the laws which yeah, it just adds to the confusion everywhere I think um, I don't know if it affects English people more than Scottish people I think it, certainly English people get annoyed when they know that they've got a perfectly good well I'm not to judge but a, a nicer online process that's possible to use in England that I believe doesn't require archaic language and fancy formatting uh, which is uh, another key difference in the Scottish process is the is that application process. Perhaps that's where, where the, the difference for English consumers comes in. You, you describe the process as uh, bonkers, very politely. <laughs> We've talked about the language, but what else in particular is is bonkers about the Scottish system? So we're still using paper-based applications requiring wet signatures. It's also exceedingly pedantic. Not sure how strict the courts are, the probate courts are in England. But up here, the sheriff courts, they knock back applications for some of the smallest and most insignificant things that you could possibly imagine. And they'll send the whole application pack to you as well if you make a mistake, even just, you know, miswriting one word somewhere or whatever. Um, And then you have the pleasure of returning to the back of the queue unless you can find a very uh, forgiving clerk that you can ask to expedite your your, uh, application if you just made a small error. 
which is almost impossible in the bigger cities. Yeah, and I did. I actually did a survey with some solicitors a few years ago when I was when I was starting out, and I found that an average of over fifty percent of their applications were being returned to them okay. um, on a regular basis. Which you know you can you can take what you want from that in terms of where the where the fault lies. I mean, certainly with the court process, but you know an argument could be made that the solicitor should know better. I mean, another thing is the location. So in, in Scotland, you must apply to the sheriff court that's local to where the deceased lived. There are over 20 uh, sheriff courts in Scotland um, that process these applications. And it results in a postcode lottery because some of the smaller courts, uh, some there's some very, very small courts in Scotland that still operate due to the, the geography. And, you know, you could get an application processed in a few hours in a small court if they had nothing else going on that day. But in the bigger courts, you're talking, you could be easily up to 12 weeks. So that'd be like in Edinburgh and Glasgow. And you have no choice over which court you use. There are very strict uh, boundaries that the courts operate in. Another key difference would be small estates. So in Scotland, we have an arbitrary limit of £36,000. Um, if you're, if the gross estate is less than that, the court will help you free of charge uh, with or without a will to process your, your application for confirmation and give it out to you the minute that you are a penny over thirty-six thousand pounds it reduces to zero help and the the you will get a letter from them if if you apply uh, incorrectly that says to contact a solicitor and that's that's it it's uh very very strict mm. um and uh, the cutoff seems arbitrary although i am told this is unconfirmed but i'm told it's to do with property uh they they, they presume that if your estate is worth less than thirty six thousand pounds that you won't own any property yeah and they don't want to get involved with the, the property descriptions in the application because it can cause problems with conveyancing and things so it's kind of understandable although why they don't just make it that if there's a property they don't help uh, i don't know so uh, there's plenty of people a hundred thousand pounds in the bank and it's just one bank super simple but zero help from the courts in that scenario Another difference is intestacy. So, you know, down south in England, um, you'd be applying for letters of administration, uh, just in a very similar process, I understand, to applying for probate, slightly different procedure. In Scotland, it's totally different. So with intestacy, you will have to apply to become the executor first. It's a separate court process. You get appointed as the executor dative, it's called, um, at which point, if the estate is not passing to a spouse, the whole estate, I should say, because under the, the rules of intestacy, there are some cutoffs that split the estate between spouses and children, depending on how much is in it. But if the cutoff works in such a way that the whole estate doesn't pass to a spouse, then you need to get a special type of insurance bond called a bond of cation, which is conveniently spelled as caution, just to add another little bit of <laughs> nomenclature issue to the, to the situation. And those bonds are only issued by a couple of companies. And if your estate is worth over £250,000, you will not be able to get a bond unless a solicitor handles the whole estate. So it really screws consumers over. Although in fairness, the majority of intestate cases, in my experience, do seem to fall below the £250,000. So in reality, it's, you know, it's not a huge thing. But of course, it does occur and people are completely flummoxed by that. You know, you have no, they have no choice. Uh, other than to to use a solicitor to do the whole process, a uh, whole whack of estate administration, for up to two hundred fifty thousand pound estate, you know that you're talking like an extra thousand pounds, up to a thousand pounds for yeah. a bond, and you know you, you're at the mercy of of one company that issues them to lay executors for under two hundred fifty thousand. As soon as that company, if they just decided not to do it anymore, then it would be all 
in test date cases over £36,000 would, would have to go through a full, full solicitor process. So the bond is there to protect beneficiaries from executors running off with the money. The fact that you don't need that, don't seem to need that in other places, and it does, I, to my knowledge, it isn't a, a problem, a big problem that you're having. I don't know why they insist on keeping it. I suspect I know the answer to uh, to this, Mike, given everything that you've said. But there, there doesn't seem to be much going on to simplify the process up there. You talked about the fact that you've made your petition yourself. You know, in England and Wales, we've started to see some progress on digitisation. Yes, we've got our own challenges. I'll tell you something. The fact that you can get a, a grant of probate through in a couple of hours is music to the ears of, of practitioners in England and Wales, much more familiar with the stories that you tell of Glasgow and Edinburgh. But there doesn't seem to be, from what you're saying, a huge amount of work to be done to simplify the process. No. As part of my research back when I was setting my company, I did speak with the Scottish Court Service about this and what they were doing. They are aware that they need to update the process. And at that time, which was in 2019, they said it was one of their three sort of next priorities that they were looking at at changing but then covid completely um, changed that contacted them i think in 2021 again and and it just wasn't on their radar at that time to to upgrade the process and potentially bring it online i think part of the problem is to do with having to coordinate with hmrc on it as well it's not just something that they can do i think unilaterally so that may may cause some issues, but obviously it's just about priorities at the end mm. of the day. And probate always seems to be one of these areas that's always on the last part of everybody's list. You know, we talk about bereavement processes with financial organisations and things like that. It's just just this this hidden, forgotten kind of area. Although, having said that, the like the work that you do, for example, and other other companies, that is. I think starting to change it certainly sounds like it's changing down south and mm. um, but in this arena scotland is way behind england so tell us about my probate partner how does it work what's it about obviously it, it's a almost like a hand-holding support or, or partner for uh somebody going through the bereavement process but explain a bit more about how you work mike sure so i mean it's evolved as you might imagine over the years in finding kind of product market fit, trying to do trying to do something a bit different than than what's been going on. We don't really have a like for like competitor in Scotland at the moment. I mean, partly because of the way the industry works. You know, non lawyers cannot own law law firms in Scotland yet. Um, although that is, I mean, technically that has changed recently. You can now own forty nine percent. That was brought in last year, and there are plans to to reduce that that number and bring it down. But it does obviously heavily influence the way the market works, um, and how and and it, how much we can do as well. So we offer a support service, uh, which is a kind of middle ground solution. <laughs> Before our company in Scotland, basically you're either completely on your own, relying on forums and things, which some people do, a surprising number of people do actually, um, and they end up going round and round in circles with the courts, or the full kind of concierge legal service, um, which really. A lot of people I, were, I was finding were begrudgingly using um, because of the just they were getting overwhelmed and and they just had to use it. And obviously you get the, the big surprise bill at the end of a lot of the time. Fixed fees have only been really a recent phenomenon up here and it's still really few companies are offering them. So, yes, yeah, so we offer a middle ground uh, where we provide the information to people so that they can get through, uh, especially around the grant of confirmation process recently actually upgraded what we do and we now offer a, an interactive guide which takes people through the form 
and they answer they ask it asks them questions and then it can show them like re more relevant content for their scenarios just to help them to guide them through and you really just be that helping hand so that they can lean on when they have questions and things like that so so that's the we have the support service which is a paid for service which specifically supports around the grant of confirmation process but we have a, lots of materials free to use around the the state administration process in general just trying to demystify it you know to 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 use that sort of buzzword and democratize i suppose some of the information that's been hoarded and to give a resource that's dedicated to scotland as well because that just doesn't exist like the the gov.uk website is pretty it's actually pretty good for helping people with the state administration in general and understanding it you know they've they've really invested in using user experience people and things to make the language plain etc so i um actually stuck where i started was by translating all of that content which is available under an open license translating all of that content and making it specific to scotland right and yeah. um, so that was the first kind of iteration of my probate partner which was free to use and therein, you know, started to learn about what people's real problems were, like with the forms, for example, and started offering solutions to that. So, so that's what we do. Key differentiator is is not being solicitors. People like it that we're not. Certainly the type of users that we have, we're not for everybody. Uh, you know, I'm quite, quite open about that. And I'm certainly very open about not being solicitors. Actually like it <laughs> to be honest just to be different, you know, very proud of, of the, the personable service that, that I offer always like the first priority is client communication. It's just something that I learned in my hospitality days. If people know what's going on, it just removes the uncertainty from their minds, which is a very anxious state to be in, let alone, you know, if you're going through a bereavement process as well, that anxiety is just, it's the number one, I think it's the number one issue for, for, for bereaved people and, and removing that, that is a, it's just a key, a key part of what my probate partner does. And then obviously if we can help people with specific problems as well, which which we definitely can, then um, yeah, our customers seem to love what we're doing. Mm. I know one of the challenges, and uh, speaking to a lot of tech companies, and I get the impression this is a tech venture, Mike, is that divide between technology and people and how you bridge that gap. Is that a challenge that you recognize in, in your own business? Absolutely. It's definitely a, a tightrope that, that I'm directing the company along is trying to find that balance with not becoming or trying to become a, a sort of a fully fledged people, I suppose, pe more people oriented company with with more employees and spending more more time with clients and things like that. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep the focus on on what I think it is that we do best, which is is the is the tech side and being and staying on the cutting edge of of that and how we provide it you know we're looking into ai solutions and things like that and seeing what that could do for us but being very careful to to keep the the personable sort of part of the business because i recognize that the hospitality element that i've baked into the the values of the company is is one of the top things that it's top top value propositions you know it's keeping an eye on on the type of client that that we're trying to serve and and what i'm finding is that there is a growing number of people that are very confident with administrative matters and financial matters and they actually they want to keep the responsibility for the process themselves but they don't want the massive headache so that's it's it's very specific uh, customer that i guess we're we're looking at there and i believe that that's a growing growing market 
um, as we move forward in time, more and more people are, are, are more who are experiencing this problem are more comfortable with technology as the years progress. So yeah, it's, it's, we're providing solutions for that type of customer, uh, which, as I say, openly admit that it's, it's, not, not, it's not everybody. And uh, I, I, I will happily recommend that people use a solicitor if a full kind of service is more appropriate for them. I'm not going to try and twist their arm into using our, our service if it's not a good fit. I'm very proud of our reputation and, and want to keep it that way. It's interesting you say that because there was a, a report recently published by a company based in Scotland called Exisent. They have a bereavement index they release each year. And one of the stats that came out of that was this growing number of the age bracket 18 to 44 that are dealing with with probate you kind of think i suppose very naively it's the reserve of of the elderly that deal with probate but actually that that 18 to 44 age bracket is growing and increasing uh, it certainly sounds like something that you recognize in your own business yeah for sure i know that technology uh, sort of tech savviness uh, as it were uh, is appropriated more to to the younger generations but you know there are there are older people that like their technology too and yeah, we are we are definitely geared towards that audience. We have tried to find ways to help um, people who are less tech savvy to access our services, you know, like printable guides, for example, and things like that, who have the time and patience to go through it. Because that's really the number one thing that's required is the time and patience from from people to to navigate the process and obviously not hand over the responsibility to another company. One of the topics of recent podcasts mike particularly uh, in view of the competition and markets authority investigation into will writing and prepaid probate that that's currently happening in england and wales is that consumer choice piece and the, the real importance of enabling consumers to make an informed decision we were just chatting before we were were recording that there's this automatic kind of right somebody's died we need a solicitor and that mindset is so difficult to change and that education piece around actually there are a number of different options we don't have to go down this one route that's a really difficult mindset to change and i, I guess uh, an issue that you've come up against i suspect almost definitely uh, especially in the early days when we didn't have a track record to fall back on people thinking we were Russian spies <laughs> actually had that just because of trying to do something that's that's quite different certainly up in Scotland not not with not many alternatives available just to add to that CMA point so the CMA also did investigation into the Scottish legal industry a few years ago and you know the outcome was that it's just not competitive enough which is what's driving the the new legal services bill i think partly so so yes uh, the answer is people have this ingrained mindset the people that are asking the question so they're literally typing the question into google to to find alternatives because they get a quote uh, from a local local high street law firm and especially in scotland there's just yeah very very little competition um so the quote often just comes back with oh you know three percent of the estate or or whatever and people people scoff at it and they, they are searching for alternatives and the number of people that say to me when they find our business like you are exactly what we were looking for or i knew that an alternative had to exist these kinds of phrases are that what come out consumers are are wanting a change and certainly that younger group that you you mentioned 
for sure i think we have a, an abnormally high number of, of younger people that use our service uh, versus probably a traditional law service although that's anecdotal it's it's just proof that uh, the alternatives are what people are are seeking Mike, it's been really interesting to have you on the podcast. Uh, I'm afraid we're kind of moving fast uh, towards the end of the discussion. It's been great to go through some of the key differences between England and Scotland. Uh, you know, the language is, is one issue, but I, I know there are a whole range of other issues we've not even touched on as well. I mean, we were just chatting about legal rights and the fact that uh, children and spouses can't be disinherited through a will. Uh, you know, another key difference between England and Scotland. So it's been great to kind of go through some of those issues and have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining. Thank you, David. Uh, it's been my pleasure. The Today's Wills and Probate podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider. It's also available on todayswillsandprobate.co.uk. Uh, my thanks to Mike. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon. You're listening to the Today's Wills and Probate podcast, one of the leading sources of information for the wills and probate sector. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todayswillsandprobate.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.